to pray that the power of God will move sovereignly as we gather together this morning in his presence. Lord, we ask you to have your way today. Lord, speak for your servants. Hear it. Speak, Lord. Speak with authority. Speak with accuracy. Speak with grace in the midst of your people this morning. Lord, we absorb all that the kingdom, uh, your kingdom has provided. We receive with expectation. We receive with joy in the name of Jesus. We receive this morning the engrafted word that is able to save our souls. We receive the engrafted word with readiness of heart. We receive the engrafted word with willingness to do. We receive the engrafted word with the ability of God in us to embrace all that God has in mind. We say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We honor you and we bless your name. For in Jesus' precious name, we have prayed. Amen. Glory to God. I want to I want to say to us this morning that the Lord started a move with us in the last couple of weeks. And last week, the Lord showed us that he wanted us to come out of our tent. He wanted us to come out of the ceiling. He wanted us to come out of the covering. He wanted us to be able to see what he is doing. He wanted us to come out of unbelief. He wanted us to come out of fear and doubt. Uh, and I'll be speaking to us today on the fact that not only is he asking us to come out of our tent, today I want to announce to us as the people of God that the promise still stands. Regardless of your experience, regardless of the vicissitudes of life, regardless of the pain of the moment, the promises of God still stand. The promises cannot fail. I believe inbuilt into every divine promise is the self-fulfilling ability. Every promise of God has the ability to fulfill itself. That's why Isaiah chapter 55 declares, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but shall accomplish that which I please and prosper in that which I have sent it. Inbuilt into every promise of God is the ability to fulfill itself. God's promises will prevail over circumstances. There are certain facts that we need to remember this morning as God's people, and we need to meditate upon as we go into a new week. What are those facts? One of those facts is that the promises cannot fail. The promises of God are unfailing. First Kings chapter 8, in verse 55, I read to 57, the scripture says, and, uh, and he stood and blessed all the congregation of Israel with a loud voice saying, Blessed be the Lord that has given rest unto his people Israel according to all that he promised. There hath not failed. I'm going to repeat that. There hath not failed one word of all his good promise which a promise by the hand of Moses is servant. I want us to pause a little bit. This sentence came many years 
after the promise had been given. In spite of generational failure of the people of Israel, in spite of environmental changes, remember the people went from nation to nation. They fell into captivity many times. The Bible says the people of God were reminded that not one word failed, not one. Not one word, not a sentence, a word failed of all that God spoke to his servant Moses. The Lord our God is with, be with us as he was with our fathers. Let him not leave us, nor forsake us. Now, we don't talk enough about a remarkable treasure. That's my second point this morning. The remarkable treasure by, behind, left behind to us by Joshua, the servant of God. We know Joshua, or we remember Joshua, as a minister to Moses. We remember everything that the Lord did in the life of that man. But remember, the man who received the promise was Moses as they left Egypt. But Joshua was right there with him. Joshua knew about the promises of God that was delivered unto Moses because he was the closest individual to Moses. We know him as a freedom fighter. I'm talking about Joshua. And as a successor of Moses. But little has been said about the unusual insight of this man or the integrity and the ability of God to fulfill what he has said. Not just to Israel as a nation, but to the rest of us as faithful followers of the promise of God. All of us this morning, if you're born of the Spirit, born again, you are a faithful follower of the divine promise of God. Now, every word that Joshua spoke in the book of Joshua can be related to by every one of us because those things matter. In Joshua chapter 21 in verse 45, the scripture says, not one of all the Lord's good promises to the house of Israel had failed. Not one. Not one. Everything was fulfilled. That's Joshua chapter 21 verse 45. Joshua doubled down. On what he said in Joshua chapter 23, in verse 14, he says, Now behold, today I am going the way of all the earth. And you know with all your heart, it was challenging the people. You know with all your heart. You can verify this. And so that not one of the good promises the Lord your God made to you has failed. Everything was fulfilled for you. Not one promise has failed. He doubled down on it. If I didn't double down, he tripled down on it by saying in Joshua 23, verse 15, the next verse, but just as every good thing that the Lord your God promised, you have come, the Lord God promised you has come to pass. Just as every good thing that the Lord your God promised you has come to pass. Likewise, the Lord will bring you the calamity he has threatened. It was just one in the people. So Joshua doubled down and tripled down on the, the fact that every word that God spoke to his people, he brought them to pass. Glory to God. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 19, And Samuel grew 
And the Lord was with him and did not let none of his words fall to the ground. Samuel did not have his own word. It was the word that the Lord gave to Samuel that he spoke. So every word that God spoke through Samuel, not a single one of them failed. Not a single one of them fell to the ground. God's word is powerful. His promises are real. His promises will at last difficult situations in our lives. When Jehu rose up as a freedom fighter, toying the line of the promise that God made to him because of what Ahab and Jezebel did, God promised he was going to make sure there was a retribution for what they did. In 2 Kings chapter 10, in verse 10, the Bible says, now, Know now that there shall fall there shall fall unto the earth nothing of the word of the Lord. Did you hear that? There shall fall unto the earth nothing of the word of the Lord, which the Lord spake concerning the house of Ahab. For the Lord has done that which he spake by his servant Elijah. Now, every word was spoken here. The Bible says, addressing the people of Israel, speaking on, on behalf of the people, that everything that God said he was going to do, the retribution of God for what Jezebel did, everything was fulfilled. None of them failed. What does that mean? It means even when we're under siege in life, God will not abandon his word. Let me say this to you. The Bible says, I have been young. Now I am old. I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed beg for bread. God is faithful to his word. His promises are true. God will not abandon his word. Whatever comes against your life and my life, God will defend it. I will contend with them that contend with thee, and I will save thy children, say the Lord. He will contend, he will save. That's his word. So God's word is unfailing. That's number one fact that I want us to take home this morning. Secondly, God's divine promises are assured because of the ability of God. What do I mean by the ability of God? His promises are assured by his divine ability. I have seen men promise me many things in my life. And they couldn't fulfill it, not because they were not willing to do that, but because circumstances around their own lives changed. So they became unable to be able to do what they promised to do. And sometimes human beings can be great when, you know, they have all the tools around them. But when the circumstances play out around their own lives, whatever they promise, they are unable to fulfill. It has happened to some of us that are listening to me this morning. There were moments when you thought, this is exactly what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do. But then things change and you couldn't fulfill it. But this is completely different from the God that we serve. Whatever he promises, he has the ability to fulfill it. In Romans chapter 4 that we read this morning, the Bible says, Abraham staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded 
I just want to challenge us this morning that we need to reach the point in our walk with God when you are fully persuaded. Fully. The scripture says about Caleb that he wholly followed the Lord. Wholly. Absolutely followed the Lord. He was committed. He was, he was lost in God. He was fully persuaded that what he had promised, he also was able to perform it. The third fact, remember the first fact, the promises of God are unfailing. The second is they are assured by the divine ability of God. Number three, every promise of God, particularly to us, is grounded in Jesus Christ. Why is that important? It is important because Jesus is the embodiment of God's reconciliation of man to himself. So every promise that you have read in the Old Testament and the New Testament, the conduct for those promises is Christ. Christ, the Bible says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Being made a curse for us, for curses everyone that hangeth on the tree, that the that the that, that, that the blessings of Abraham are light upon the Gentiles. So Christ is the middleman. Christ is the conduct for all of the promises of God. Second Corinthians chapter one and verse eighteen, the Scripture says, "Never." I'm reading from a different, not the King James this time. As surely as God is true. I am not that sort of a person. My yes means yes. This is Paul the Apostle speaking. Timothy and Sivanos and I have been telling you about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He isn't one to say yes when he means no. He always does exactly what he says. And he carries out and fulfills all of God's promises. No matter how many of them there are. And we have told everyone how faithful he is, giving glory to his name. So Jesus is the conduct for the promises of God, particularly to those of us who are saints who have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. I'll get to some of those promises in a moment. Also, number four, the promises are of limitless, infinite value. The promises of God are of limitless value. What do I mean by that? If you look at the promise of God on Abraham, it spilled over to Isaac, went straight to Jacob, and continued with the 12 tribes of Israel. The promises of God are transgenerational in nature. They are limitless in value. When God promised you as a father, as a mother, the promises of God can be passed on to the generations to come. We must understand the power that is in the promise of God. Glory to God. Those five concepts matter this morning because we need to understand these facts about the promises of God. And I'll go over them again. One, they are unfailing. Two, they are assured by the divine ability of God. Three, they are grounded in Jesus. Number four, they have limitless value. Glory to God. I read part of Romans chapter 4. Reading through that scripture this morning, I just read snippets out of this. The Bible says, 
Because the law worketh, Romans chapter 4 from verse 15, because the law worketh wrath. For where no law is, there is no transgression. Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace. To the end, the, prom the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. I want us to pay attention to that scripture. It says, this is of faith, that it might be by grace. To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed. The promise might be sure that you may have confidence in the promise, that the promise is sure, that the promise is unchanging. And this is what Abraham knew. The Bible says, who against hope believed in hope. We read last week about Genesis in Genesis chapter 15 when Abraham started giving reasons to God on why God shouldn't bother again because he didn't think the promise will ever come to pass anymore. He looked at himself. God gave promise, but here we are today. But you see, what God did in that scripture was very strategic. And he still wants to do the same with our lives today. What the Lord did, and I believe that God has been dealing with all of us in that direction, is that, you know, is to create the right perspective within us as a people. You see, if we have perspective on the promises of God, what is perspective? The image. You know, the image that is formed within your spirit, I believe it is the key to your expectations. The expectations that we have, we channel our actions. If you have expectation that God is at work, your action will back up your expectations of God. Many of the times, our actions betrays our predominant thoughts and expectations. You see, what I'm thinking about reflects in my actions. What I'm expecting reflects in my actions. What you don't expect will never disappoint you. If I have an unfriendly action towards a person, it shows my predominant thoughts about them. If I feel I've been unjustly treated by an individual, I may wake up the following day and look at them and reacted in a very repulsive way towards them. Why? Because my action betrays my predominant thoughts and image and expectations. So what God is doing is to change our perspectives, is to change the image in our mind so that our expectations can be married with our actions. Look at what happened to Job in Job chapter 13, verse 15. Many of us remember this scripture. In Job chapter 13, the Bible says, Though he slays me, yet will I trust him. How will a man come to that conclusion? The image of God was very clear to Job. He says, though he slays me, I will trust him. Job knew the promise won't fail. <laughs> Job was convinced, regardless of his current circumstance and the deliberate situation he was in. He had boiled all over his body. He was in pain. His mind had been messed up. 
It was emotionally a wreck at this time. Yet Job said, even though he slays me, I trust him. There are some men in the scriptures that are radical believers in the promise. Do you remember the three Hebrew men in Daniel chapter 3? In Daniel chapter 3, these three Hebrew men said to the king, we're not worried, we're not perturbed, we're not moved. What will happen to us? If we're thrown into the flaming fire, the flaming furnace, our God is able to deliver us. And he will deliver us out of your hand, your majesty. But if he doesn't, please understand, sir, that even then we will never, under any circumstance, serve your God or worship the golden statue which you have erected. That's Daniel chapter 3 in verse 16. These three Hebrew men, as I studied them, were not unrealistic or stupid people. They were not. They said, our God is able and will deliver us, but did not stop there. This, to me, <laughs> maybe one of the most profound phrases in the scripture. It says, but if he does not, if we come to that level, when we say, even if he does not, and I kept saying to myself, why would they go that far? I'll tell us this morning what occurred to me. What occurred to me was that these men, even in the moment of trial and in the moment of trepidation, they looked, they dug in inside. They said to themselves, if God chose not to save us, maybe there's a higher purpose for it. Think about that. Is there a higher purpose? Each time I meditate on the actions of these men, it just blew my mind how they came to that conclusion. But you see, when you read the life of Jesus, he did exactly the same thing. In Matthew 26, the Bible says, And he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it be possible. Jesus knew with God nothing is impossible. But he said, if it be possible, let this call pass from me. Nevertheless, nevertheless, if there is a higher purpose, I wish this cup will pass over me. I know the promise of God. If I call the Father, it will send legions of angels right now. He said it himself. But not as I will, but as thou will. Jesus did that. Nothing was impossible with the Father. But he was expressing a trust in the greater purpose. Folks, there was a time in my life when I realized not only did Jesus take my sin and my failure to the cross, he also took my regrets to the cross, along with other stuff around my life. And that day I experienced the true freedom. I'm telling you, your regrets were taken to the cross. Some of us may be on this, on this line listening to me this morning. You have regrets around your life. You're thinking back on those things. The day the Lord showed me, even your regrets were taken care of on the cross. And from that day, I stopped. That I should stop living from the past. I said no more to the past, but looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of my faith. The question this morning is this. Why would God promise? Why would God promise? Well, God promised because of his love for us. 
You see, you cannot quantify the love level of your of your law of the level of God for your, the level of God's love for you. When you are in love, promises are easy. When you are walking in love, you can easily promise because you're going to do everything possible to ensure that the person you're in love with enjoys the benefits of your commitment because he loves us. Why would God promise? Because there is power in promise. A promise is a spoken contract. A promise is a spoken contract. God is duty-bound to fulfill his contract. God knows that every place that the promise goes, the promise will win. The promise will prosper. Therefore, he released his promise into your life because he knows that there is power in the promise. Number three, God gave us promise because he knows that Satan cannot touch it. Neither can he overturn it. The promises of God are too loaded to be thwarted by satanic forces. I'm telling you right now, the promises of God are too loaded to be removed, to be, to be thwarted by the forces of hell. And God gave a bunch of those promises in Genesis. And you know what? They are still standing today. Therefore, God's promise will stand. He promised in Genesis, he will not destroy the earth with flood. The earth is still standing, no flood. He promised in the book of Genesis, he will govern the day by light and the night by darkness. Well, <laughs> day and night shall not cease. We still see the promise today. He separated the firmament in the book of Genesis. They are still separated today. Nothing is holding the sky down with a pole because the promises is still standing. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 1, he has sustained all things. What are all things? His promises. He has sustained all things by the word of his promise, by the word of his power. Glory to God. So why would God promise? Because of his love. Because there is power in his promise. Because Satan cannot touch the promise of God or overturn the promises of God. Let me say to us this morning, God will never promise what he cannot deliver. He promised us his love. He promised us sonship. In John 3.16, the Bible says, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we may be called the children of God. John chapter 1 verse 11, He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power, the authority to become the sons of God, even to them that believe in his name. That's the promise of sonship. We just read a few minutes ago in Romans chapter 4, the Bible said for the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abram or to his seed through the law, but through righteousness of faith. For if they which, if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void. And the promise is made of none effect. So the righteousness is through faith. The sonship came through faith. God also promised forgiveness and salvation to us. 
we cannot overemphasize Romans chapter 10, verse 10. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That if thou, in verse 9 of that same scripture, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shall believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. In verse 13 of the same book, the Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God has given a promise of salvation. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, there is also another promise, the promise of his provision. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You see, in Bible study on Thursday, as we sat down in that place, it just occurred to me, God never promised to supply your want. He promised to supply your need. Many of the times we approach God with our wants, but he promised to supply needs in our lives. Glory to God. He also promised that he will always be with you. He will not forsake you. You see, I have seen in life that situations can determine who your friends are. Challenges can change the crowd around your life. As we grow in grace, we begin to understand that it's a friend that never leaves. Even in the most difficult season of life, he's always there. I wanted to embrace that friend this morning. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your